Hi, I'm Tony Cowan Brown. And I'm Benedict Evans. Crypto, crypto, crypto. <laughs> That's all I have. Yeah, there's like, I wrote this week in my newsletter, I wrote, I kind of split my column into two and I wrote about, I called it the Twitter's Hell and Yes. Which is like, uh, oh God, what now? Um, the best meme on this I've seen actually is someone posted the clip from um, Ghostbusters when the guy shuts off the power grid towards the end. Like, don't shut off the power grid, I'm going to shut it off. And obviously Elon is the guy with the beard who shuts off the power grid and makes everything go to hell. It is the bad thing. I mean, the Twitter story, it feels it feels kind of moot to try and talk or even do an episode about it because every hour there's something new that pops up. Every, every hour, hour there's some other damn thing. It's just chaos. Um, so we'll this sit is, that one this out is for a while. Carl people feel, this, is, this is how car people feel about Elon. <laughs> Uh, so yes, let's pass on that one. And I thought FTX was a little bit more interesting. Um, we did a podcast a while ago called something like people who don't talking about crypto when you're not a crypto person. Um, and the thing about all of the, about this particularly crypto to some extent, machine learning is you can go very, very, very deep into a lot of very arcane, very kind of narrow and specific technology. Yeah. And the challenge is to think, well, what's the right level of abstraction to think about and the right level to understand this, um, and, um, you know, I am, I suppose my sort of general feeling looking at this is uh, looking at FTX. And again, I'm not going, we're not going to like explain what FTX is and what happened, because I'm guessing by the time you, anyone listens to this, they'll probably have seen the front page of a newspaper or like read, read stuff about this and kind of have some sense of what's going on. So I think that's the sort of the interesting thing here is, 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 is this software? Is this a software story or is this a Wall Street story? Is this, how do we think about mm. at a conceptual level, what is it that happened here? Um, and so um, you have Wall Street people looking at this and saying, look, you have a brokerage and you have a fund and you take the client funds, clients as money from the brokerage and use it to trade and lose it. And this is what was banned in Glass-Steagall in the early 30s. That's why Glass-Steagall said you can't have an investment bank and a retail bank in the same business, more or less. We've, we've been down this road before. Yeah. And if you take in a bunch of assets and then lose them and then put a bunch of made-up entries on your balance sheet with things like literally badly labelled hidden internal account on your balance sheet then this is kind of a relatively straightforward, go straight to jail kind of a story. Um, and it's actually a lot simpler than, in a funny way, than the Celsius or the Terra Luna blow-ups. Mm. Because there, there was this kind of quite elaborate theory as to what was going on and is this a collapse? Of, you can sort of argue that it's actually a collapse of confidence problem. And you can argue whether or not it was a Ponzi scheme. This is very, very simple. You know, the, the narrative that we have at the moment is you had a brokerage and a fund, you took the money from the client funding money from the brokerage, put it in the hedge fund and lost it. And um, this is a nice, easy, straightforward test case. You know, do not pass, um, go, go straight to prison. So then what else do we say about this? What else is interesting about this? Um, and so then the obviously finite um, Silicon Valley people kind of raise an eyebrow that Sequoia put 150 million into this thing without taking a board seat. Although those same Silicon Valley people would probably have 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 done the same if they could have got into it, and they were now kind of jealous. They were jealous of, of Sequoia, and now they're not. Um, then you have, of course, crypto skeptics kind of running around saying, "Look, look, we told you so. We told you so." And you have crypto people saying, "Well, you should have self custody. You shouldn't leave your assets on the brokerage. You should um, you should." 
transfer them directly to your own USB key or whatever it is that you want to do, but like not your coins, not, not your not your key, not your coins. You shouldn't leave them there. This was a collapse of centralized a centralized institution, not a crypto institution. And I don't know. I mean, I think all of those can be true. The thing that strikes me, and it's, it's a kind of a general thesis that someone told me the other day, I, I, I bore on about too much, but I bore on about it because I think it's fascinating, is that there's no software questions here. Mm. That this is like, you know, as, as for Netflix, there are no software questions. At Netflix, there are all TV questions. As for Shein, there's no software questions. There are all the power questions. As for this, this was these were Wall Street questions. Like, are you allowed to do that with your client funds? Like, no. <laughs> Go to prison. <laughs> it's a software store. It's, it's a Wall Street fuck up. It's not a software fuck up. It's it's fascinating because when you asked that question, I don't know, what was it, three, four minutes ago, of just like, is it a software question? Is it a Wall Street question? It's interesting because like, the more I think of mm-hmm. it today, the more I feel like there aren't questions. That I... Do you feel like this is solely a Wall Street question? Because I look at this and go, well, surely there's a tech layer to this that makes it a little bit more complex. Or are we just, are we just kidding ourselves that, no, this is straight through and through as a Wall Street question? So... Well, so if one were being cynical, you know, one analysis of Theranos is that what Elizabeth Holmes did was sell tech Silicon Valley disruption to non-Silicon Valley people. Um, it was ne- the, one of the important points about the Theranos story is that none of, almost none of the investors, apart from kind of a couple of the early checks, came from people who knew anything about bio or indeed anything about Silicon Valley. It was like Betsy DeVos and Rupert Murdoch. You know, it was people who didn't know about startups or bio and were, were buying on, were being sold a sexy disruption story. And you could kind of argue the inverse here, that 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 that, um, that FTX was selling Wall Street to non-Wall Street people. That's an interesting that way it, of looking at it. In this case, it's an in, It's a funny. You could almost say that in any case, it's Sequoia were the unsophisticated investors who got taken to the cleaners by some clown from hedge fund land. Um, he worked at State Street or something. Um, so there's a but there's a there's a kind of a point in here which is what do you need what are the questions you would need to know to understand what this thing is and whether it's going to work and the questions for Netflix are TV industry questions the questions for Theranos are bio yeah, questions and in this case and the questions financial. for this are Wall Street questions like how much money do you, you know what can you know how does hedge fund work so, how does a brokerage work where does the money go I don't know ask a Wall Street guy. If we stick with that narrative then, that these are all Wall Street questions, why are we struggling right now? Or why does it feel like regulators are struggling? Because surely to regulate this is the same as you would regulate Wall Street. So why does it feel like regulators? And I know you might not have the answers to this, but this is where my head goes of, if I'm following the regulation point of view here, why does it feel like as regulators, Mm. they're struggling to regulate this? And even my, I said it myself, I was like, oh my God, this feels like, you know, the Wild West all over again. Like there's no one seems to know what the hell's happening. Mm. No one seems to know how we regulate this. But if these are all Wall Street questions, which we've had, for many many years surely then the regulation should follow the same path or are, is that then this is where the tech layer starts getting a little murky or opaque three maybe three different answers to okay this. the first the first sort of narrow answer is that coinbase is a u.s company registered in the u.s and um regulated in the u.s but FTX was in the Bahamas, and before that it was in Hong Kong, and before that it was somewhere else. And the same thing with Binance, no one actually seems to, no one really knows where Binance is, and the answer seems varies depending on who you ask. Is it in Malta? No, it's not. Is it here? No, it's not. Where is it? Who knows? 
And so there's a sort of specific answer, which is like, who was it that was regulating this? And it's actually like, was it the Bahamas? Like, was it the, or who was supposed to be, you know, was it, was it, what was it the US? Maybe, maybe it was. So there's a whole like regulatory snafu thing, which is actually, yeah, a is a report, like, which, which, which financial regulator was supposed to be regulating this and who, why didn't they? So that's one point. I think the second point in, is a much more general thing, which is also what Coinbase and part of the point, incidentally, of what Coinbase would say yeah. is that the SEC's approach to regulating crypto has been a mess, and that's pushed stuff offshore. Who got yeah. So that's pushed people who wanted to trade to go to things like Binance and FTX because they couldn't do it in the US. So that's a sort of a, a subset of that point. And both Binance, am I correct in understanding Binance and FTX both have Binance.us and FTX.us, but this is not, those are not the entities that are... Yes. So there is, there is a fuzzy question okay. as to who exactly had responsibility for this. So, so second point is this very simple thing, is a Bitcoin token, is a, a security or not? And the challenge is that you can run both arguments. And so at one extreme, if somebody opens an account on FTX or Binance or Coinbase with the purpose of buying any of the following dozen tokens in the expectation that they're going to go up so that they can sell them. That sounds to me like you're buying a security or at the very least that you're, or that you're trading or that you're mm. trading a currency, but you're certainly trading something and you should be subject to some combination of the regulation for trading stocks and trading currencies or trading something else. But like the reasons why we have rules for how you can trade currencies and trade securities should apply here. That's the second. So yeah. that's there. Now the problem is if you, if you go up to the other extreme, if you were to build a social photo sharing site with half a billion users on a blockchain, then every post on that would be a token and every like would be a token potentially and every account would be a token. And so if you were to regulate that on the basis that every time I post, I'm issuing a security. Is this kind of how that like Web3 people talk about this is the idea is, you know, I follow somebody early on a network and as they gain followers, I gain a share in the economic value of them. And so in that situation, like buying a token of a user on one of these networks is kind of like buying equity. But on the other hand, but you can't treat the whole of Instagram as though every transaction is a stock trade. And so the point is, if you were actually to build billion scale consumer applications on a blockchain, then you couldn't regulate it like a stock exchange because only you could just couldn't do that. Um, of course, a extreme, extreme crypto skeptic would say that's the point. You shouldn't be allowed to do that. And that's a whole other argument. But there's kind of the, 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 what I'm getting at to in a kind of a roundabout way is there is a definition of, of trading cryptocurrencies or blockchain tokens, maybe a better term, um, in which, yes, this is absolutely security. And there's also a much broader definition of them, which it, in which it absolutely isn't. And it's kind of difficult sort of in the middle of that to say, and there's there's been a certain amount of kind of hand-waving and fuzziness and, and uncertainty as to how you should think about these things. Oh, and should you be regulating them as securities? And so that's sort of a second conversation. So you get to these phrases like the Howey test, which is a test, a legal test as to whether something is security or not. And I think kind of a good way of looking at that is kind of like saying, is Uber a taxi? Well, yes and no. So, but so step back and ask why we regulate taxis and think about how that applies here. And the same thing here is, is, is Bitcoin a security? Well, kind of yes and no. Is, yeah. is, a, is Filecoin a security? Well, maybe not. Yes and no. So that's kind of your second category. Um, I think the third point is um, it was in the Bahamas. It didn't exist three years ago. The 300 people, like it just kind of fell through the cracks, which is also, frankly, the story about Bernie Madoff. Like, yeah, that was a 
he was a regulated investment advisor. Um, the SEC just screwed up. Um, so, so there's, there's maybe those are sort of ways of looking at this. I think there's a um, well, we kind of should kind of step back though, and I think you know, mentioning Bernie Madoff is kind of useful here because you know most people didn't read about Madoff scandal and say, oh, I'm going to pull my money out of Vanguard. You know, did nobody kind of looked at that and said, well, this clearly this invalidates the yes. idea of having fund managers. And indeed, when Lehman Brothers collapsed, um, you know, a bunch of people kind of screamed and ran for the hills and, you know, put their money in gold. But, you know, here we are 15, 10, 15 years later and, nobody, and we, you know, nobody keeps their money in a steel box under the bed or, or even their own gold certificates. I mean, obviously, there's gold bucks and gold bucks are kind of a part of the original Bitcoin crowd. Um, but there's a kind of difference between like there is fraud in this system and therefore the whole thing is invalidated. And in particular, in this case, you know, you could argue that Celsius or, or Terra Luna are actually much better, much bigger challenges to the concept of, 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 of cryptocurrencies than this. This is just somebody who stole it. This doesn't invalidate the concept of the thing. If that you give the thing to somebody else and they steal it, that doesn't really tell you anything about the validity of the concept. And I think there's a there's a sort of a point here, which is one could should, should kind of step back and think, well, what is it that we mean by cryptocurrency, which is is something we kind of kind of talked about earlier, um, which is that you could kind of it seems to me that you could kind of split crypto into three waves. The sort of wave one is Bitcoin, which is basically digital gold. It's a digital bearer instrument. Um, it's money on a computer file that you can do something with on the Internet. And then wave two is people say, well, what if you could program this? And so you could make scripting and you can make smart contracts and you can make and then so then you can make lending systems and you could build like a you could build a mortgage system on this. You could build a credit card on this. You could build, um, you know, um, so you build. So this kind of gets you people creating what we call DeFi distributed finance in which which is basically what the the FTX guys hedge fund Alameda. I can't remember what it was called. The hedge fund was trying to do. So you build a whole bunch of financial stuff on this um, and then you discover that as we discover there's a reason why you have financial regulation and there's a reason why you have a fed and then there's web three which is people say well what if you were to build instagram on this or youtube on this which is very very not what's happened in the last year and in fact web three doesn't exist yet and it would not be possible to build instagram on a blockchain today you might the most optimistic people would say you might be able to do it in five years but i think it's kind of you know these words kind of flow around it's a bit like metaverse metaverse means anything and Web3 means sort of means anything. And so right, FTX means it invalidates Web3. Well, it the thing that it doesn't invalidate, it doesn't invalidate anything, but the thing it doesn't invalidate is DeFi. It's got nothing to do with Web3. That's, That's a whole other concept. Yeah. It's funny. It's like the joke. There's a um, there's an old Russian joke that a guy goes into a shop and says, you don't have any sausage, do you? And they say, no, we don't have any fish. The butchers next door, they don't have any sausage. So this doesn't invalidate web. It's not Web three that this doesn't invalidate. It's DeFi that this doesn't invalidate. It's just theft. Sometimes theft. Sometimes theft is just theft. And and it's interesting when you bring up DeFi because the thing that that's obviously been circling a lot in the last couple of let's just say last week, or even though it was front to mind for a lot of people in crypto, is this whole idea of this decentralized finance system as the potential long term solution to the problem that it has been regulation in this space, which also always just confuses me. And I'm just like, well, surely, mm. surely there's something to be learned from, you know, the 2008 crisis that we, yes, we mm. need more regulation, but we also need more transparency. What the hell's going on? Because like, we we talked about this in our episode about crypto is every time we ask someone in the crypto space, but 
talk to me more about this like how does it work what you solve and they're like just, you you had that analogy of it's like talking mm. someone who's like trying to sell you weed and you're like that's not what i'm trying to get into here like don't like yes. answer my questions don't hype me up about the thing i get that you're hyped mm. but like how do we get to the core problems here or how do we get to the core yes. solutions um which i just you can't help but yeah. look at the financial crisis of 2008 and go surely this is another case of we need more transparency and more understanding about what's happening and we're not there yet yeah, well, so the transparency thing is, 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 of course, hugely ironic because the whole, a huge part of the whole thesis of running stuff on a blockchain is it's all public. And you is that it's how, and you all can public. see how it works. And like, guess what? Um, and, and, and so the, um, you know, the way that I tend to describe this sort of public thesis is that, you know, if I go and work for somebody, I send them an invoice and I trust that they'll pay, that they'll pay me. And, you know, if I stand next to a highway, I trust that the drivers won't hit me. But if I stand next to a railway, I don't trust that the train won't hit me. I know it won't hit me. In fact, I can do Buster Keaton and stand in the middle of a railway junction and know that the train won't hit me because I can because I can see where the rails are and I can see the junction and I can see the thing I can see the, the switches. And the same thing with software built on a blockchain, which is the point of a smart contract, is you can see that you can see the switches, you can see the rails, you can see the rules and the logic and the code, and you can see what's going to happen. And it's not about trust, faith, and no, crossing your fingers. It's, it's you not, know that there, it's there's not. no yes. trust in. It's not a trust-based system. It's a trustless system. You can see how it works. Um, of course, um, this of course is why crypto people look at FTX and say this is centralized finance. This isn't DeFi at all, because it wasn't open. You didn't know where the money was and what was going on. And some of that is obfuscation. Some of that's obfuscation. Some of it's lying. Some of it's something else. Um, but the whole thing wasn't, you know, the phrase is on chain. You couldn't go on chain and see what the liabilities were for this whole thing um, and where they all worked. And part of that, the interesting and actually very technical question within that would be, is that be just because they were obfuscating it? Or is it just sort of inherent that it's not realistic that you could do this with something of this sophistication and mm. complexity that actually you probably wouldn't be able to really know what that smart contract represented and what that wallet was and where it went um and you'd need like 200 pages of footnotes every quarter for them to tell you exactly what was going on otherwise it wouldn't happen um so that's an interesting question in there could you run an central could you run an exchange on fully on chain with people being confident that they would actually know what's going on um stepping back from from all of this i mean what is it that's been going on um we've had people a there is bitcoin and ethereum which are financial instruments that may or may not have applications built upon them and may or may not but not be used as a basis of financial systems or payment systems or what have you um but at the moment we don't really have utility for them other than people building stuff that we hope we'll be able to do stuff with at some point in the future and so that's crypto one and crypto two and then crypto three which is web three we don't have yet um, doesn't you know it's no, there's you know it's not there you know I can go and get a wallet and I can buy some Bitcoin okay now what it's kind of like I know it's like dialing up to the internet and pinging someone okay I'm here I I, I opened a command <laughs> I've arrived. I opened a command I mean literally using the units command ping it's as though <laughs> you open the internet you get your TCP it takes you a week do you get your TCPIP working? You found some something you can dial up to to connect. It's taken you a week of work. You've got it working. You open a command line. You ping a known IP address. It pings back. Okay, now, now what? And that's sort of what it's like having you know owning owning 
owning owning Bitcoin or owning Ethereum right now. Like, okay, now what? And so then, okay, we've got we've sort of got the TCP/IP. Maybe now what? And we don't have we don't even have Telnet. Never mind having email or having Amazon. All I can do is send you some packets and you can send them back to me. I mean, it's not perfect analogy because like, obviously you can't keep the packets and you can keep the Bitcoin. Um, but we don't yet have that, um, that web tweeting. It's, it's all in the future. I think a good tell for this also of just we're not there yet is the amount of marketing that has been done around crypto. And the reason I say that is I had this moment as I was looking into Formula One. Crypto has spent billions this year in sports in general but and poured billions of marketing efforts in Formula One. I think eight out of the 10 teams on the grid have a giant crypto sponsor, FTX being one of them, Binance being another, which is also fascinating. That's a whole other story for another day. But what, what I was looking at is like, wow, they've spent absolute billions marketing, marketing crypto to this whole new audience. And I think that's a tell that we're not quite there yet in the amount of money that they're marketing. I, like banks don't need, or maybe I'm wrong here, but do banks still spend a fuck ton of money marketing themselves of why people should have a bank account the way that crypto is right now? Or is that like a weird analogy? But I was looking at this going... The hilarious thing is that FTX paid Larry David to do a TV ad in which he kept saying, I'm not interested, I'm not interested, it's never going to work, which is, uh, yeah, probably Larry was right. I mean, look. So, <laughs> so listen to Larry Kiss. So there's there's one answer here, which is this is what the dot com bubble was like with people spending huge amounts of money on acquisitions. That's it. There's a second and more cynical, but also probably more realistic answer, which is um, that um, why do you think Sam Bateman fraud was worth thirteen billion dollars? Like, where was that money coming from? And the answer is, it was people buying this stuff, trading it, and losing money. No, and it's like you know, FX trading FX. Nobody makes money trading FX. I mean, anyone who doesn't know this should know this. Where if you trade FX, you will lose all your money. There are people who work inside, you know, very large investment banks and hedge funds who make fractions of a tiny fraction of a percent um, arbitraging FX spreads. Nobody else makes any money on this. And why should you? Why should you be able to make money trading FX? Um, why should there be a spread there? And the the same thing here, like. Basically, this has been a diversion, a machine for transferring money from people who have FOMO and want to jump into the bubble and want to get rich to people who got there first. I mean, this is why people call the whole thing a Ponzi scheme. And it's not quite right. That's not quite what it is. But there's no there is there is no actual utility that has been delivered yet. Now, crypto skeptics spend a lot of time forgetting to say the word yet, and crypto maxis spend all their time talking about the word yet. <laughs> and, you know, there's a sort of argument that used to drive me crazy, which is people saying, well, the Bitcoin paper was published in whenever it was 10 years ago, and we don't have anything yet. Therefore, we'll never have anything, which to me is I, I don't understand why there's some sort of fixed timeline as to when it should all start working. Um, it took a very long time for the internet to took 20 years for the internet to spread out 30 years for the internet to spread outside academia um of course the answer there is it was useful in academia um bitcoin is useful to a very small number of people for moving money around it's not useful for anything else but there is this sort of this tension between basically what you've done and there's maybe there's a much simpler answer to this which is you have created a borderless unregulated space in which anybody mm. clever and unscrupulous could write to do stuff 
and added money to that. You basically took the worst of Usenet and the worst of all the hackers and crackers and black hats and added money and added a speculative bubble. And so guess what happened? An awful lot of people got separated from their life savings because they thought that this thing is going up and therefore um, they'll get rich. Um, and you could argue, you know, technically, is it a Ponzi scheme? No. Like some of some things maybe have been Ponzi schemes. You know, you could all, it's almost like we need a new word because, you know, a pyramid scheme is a specific thing. A Ponzi scheme is a specific thing. It's not uh, an MLM. A, it's pump not, and dump, yeah. a pump and dump is not a Ponzi scheme. A rug pull is not a Ponzi scheme. It's something else. Um, and um, we've got, you know, you almost kind of need another word. The word could be crypto. Uh, but but we, we've, we've had this basically, we've had this huge injection of capital into this space that's all about what it might be in 2025 or 2030. And in the meantime, we're had... betting on the what could be. Yes. And in the meantime, every scam on earth has descended on the space and either scammed or ripped people off or stolen money. Um, a couple of billion dollars a year get stolen, getting stolen. Um, and there's no product yet. And I think that's you and I have spoken about this, but these are all the like the little telltales on the sign on the side, sorry, that tell us that this is not ready. A, mm. what I was just talking about, like the amount of money that they spend in marketing. If you've got a good product, you shouldn't be needing to spend billions and billions trying mm. to convince people that this thing is an interesting thing. You and I talk about this every time you talk about crypto on Twitter, two seconds later, you, you get flooded with bots and God mm. knows what trying to scam you. Um, so there's just, there's all of these interesting little things that happen on the side that just are like not warning signs. I think that's that's too dramatic, but that just tell us that it's not quite ready yet, but it doesn't mean that it's not a worthy conversation to have uh, because there's a lot's happening. Yes, I mean, there is a, you know, you have taken an unregulated space, filled it with people, with no, clever people with no ethics and inserted a huge amount of money and a huge amount of people who hope they'll get rich quickly and guess what happened? Um, but that doesn't People actually, wanted. that doesn't of itself mean you could build Instagram on a blockchain. And the question is, what would it mean to build an Instagram on a blockchain? That raises a whole bunch of other questions. In fact, adding money to it would probably, of which what happens if you were to add money to Instagram, raises a whole bunch of other problems. Um, but meanwhile, um, meanwhile, there's nothing here yet. Um, I mean, there's a, there's a sort of very core point, which is, you know, I'm sort of thinking about my own psychology. You know, I remember looking at internet stocks in 99 and I remember looking at the, you know, Bitcoin in whenever it was, 2016, 17, which was the original bubble um and then looking at you know internet stocks last year and mm. um whenever you feel that sense of i should do this because other people are doing it and getting rich that is the moment to be very very careful the moment you can feel yourself going from i think that's really valuable i would like to own some too it's i should buy it because it's going up those people are making money. I'm not. I should be doing it too. Then I would make I'm money. Out. That yeah. is what tells you you're in a bubble more than anything else. I like that. And of course, bubbles can be real. I mean, or, or what I mean mm -hmm. is like the internet bubble did not mean that the internet wasn't a thing. All the actual stocks disappeared and created and people lost 95% of their money, but the internet was real. Um, yeah. And the fact that you have this massive speculative bubble around crypto and lots of people lose a lot of money doesn't of itself tell you anything one way or the other. Bubble's not the bad thing. It's the behavior that comes out or that gets created once you're in the bubble. It doesn't tell you this either, one way or the other. I mean, it's like, um, you know, if you were looking at Bitcoin doubling and saying it and didn't think that proved it worked, then you don't now get to look at Bitcoin halving and saying that proves it doesn't work. 
Um, now, the, the problem is, of course, there's no um, there's no guillotine. So there is not some date where we can say, right, that was all a waste of time. Um, at a certain point in, in the future, we will either all accept that X or Y is a waste of time. Like, I don't know. There was not some point at which, you know, there was not a day when everyone agreed that 3D TV was a, 3D TV was a failure. So I think that's increasingly true with tech. The, we don't have these deadlines of because yeah the failures the failures fade away and the things that work will take a very very long take time a long time and i think we feel fine with um, that but we get so excited by new tech and, and, and it's almost like a kind of a Karl popper kind of falsification point like you can't prove that this <laughs> you know and which is so so what Karl popper says is that I mean, he says many things but he says one of the problems of marxism is you can never disprove it because the marxist prediction that marx you can never because marx makes these predictions and they don't happen and the fact they don't happen doesn't prove that they won't happen in the future and so his argument is this is why it's not scientific because you're not making a theory that you could test if you could test it and find the answer is yes or no then it would be scientific the fact that you actually can't test marxism to prove it works or and there is no test you could do that would prove it well didn't work what isn't true there's no there's no test that you can apply to Marxism that will prove it's wrong. Therefore, it's not scientific. That is a test that is something scientific. And there's a sort of similar point for technology predictions. Like, there's no date at which you can say that didn't happen. It's just at a certain point, you can kind of look back and say, yeah, that didn't work. I mean, sometimes there is. I mean, this is not a universal rule. But there are sometimes, sometimes the thing just sort of fades out. But I think it's not universal, but I think it's increasingly true in tech. Mm. Um those that have been in the industry for a long time, we just know that these things take time. Or there's, yeah. we know that you know, certain, there's a, there's a point at which something just fades away, and we go, oh, that 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 didn't work. That didn't turn out the way we thought it would. Yeah, remember esports? What do you mean remember esports? <laughs> still adamant that's a thing that's happening. Yeah, yeah, um, but you're, you're maybe not right now. Yeah. Maybe. The pandemic helped to give it a little bit of a breath of fresh air and then and then somewhat disappeared. Uh, yeah, but it's like you have these things where there's this That's brief it. moment of enthusiasm, yeah. like bots are the thing. And it wasn't like a day when everyone could turn around and say, yeah, no, bots aren't going to work. It's just been kind of, we gradually kind of realised, okay, this is a very limited thing. And the similar similar point for open source, like, you know, there was, you know, it's now, I don't think, it's hilarious, every time I talk about this on Twitter, I've got 50 people in my mention saying, well, I use Linux and next year will be the year of desktop Linux, because people weren't saying that in, literally saying that in 2000. Yeah, I think we now kind of understand that Linux, desktop Linux, as in you open and run and compile an open source operating system on your PC is not going to happen. Like, or to the, it's not going to become a mass market consumer thing. Like, we get that now. Um, but there wasn't like some date. It just, you know, it gradually faded away. And this is sort of the, um, the crypto thing. Like, when is Web3? There is no Web3 today. NFTs aren't Web3. NFTs are some, whole, some, other, some other whole thing. Um, but that's a whole okay. topic for another podcast. Amazing. Thank you so much. Good to chat. Good to chat.